Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to The Strength Connection. I'm Michael Krakowski, and I'm here connecting with the top minds in the world of strength to share stories, insights, and experiences to help us all become stronger every day. So today, I'm with my movement role model. I have Denzel Allen, owner of The Strength Den in Mill Valley, California, with me on the show. I joke with Denzel saying that I see so many fitness and training videos and social media, as well as in my coaching, and every time I see him training, I always ask myself, do my movements look like that? Denzel is an incredibly strong guy. He walks the walk, and his approach to training and coaching is so humble and chill. He has an incredible mindset towards strength, especially in how he helps others, and I was excited to talk to him today about his new move in business, how he found himself as a coach in his process, as well as going into his personal work with writing and with poetry. So I know you're going to enjoy this podcast with Denzel. Also, if you haven't seen, now you can watch the podcast as well as listen to it. You can check out this episode and all episodes going forward on YouTube at The Strength Connection. Go check it out, subscribe to the show, and turn notifications on so you can catch all new episodes dropping every single week. All right, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the inside. What's up, Denzel? It's good to see you, man. Yeah, it's great to see you too, Mike. It's, uh, you know, what a year. What a year. <laughs> it's been a, a, almost, I think like almost a year, maybe a little bit less than that, that we talked last time, you know, from there. I know you've had a bunch of big changes going through. So looks freaking, yeah. I got to tell you, man, like the new place that you got, like it just looks strong in there. Like that's the first thing I thought of. Thanks, man. That's, you know, that's the, that's the whole goal with it was like, let me create a space. You know, I, I put out this thing like hike, lift, meditate, chill. I'm like, let this be a place that you can at least do three out of four of those things. And like you you come in and each each one of those boxes has a specific area that would make you want to do those things. So the training floor, then I have a meditation room and then a lounge area so that people can you know meditate. They can go chill. They can lift. And then when they go out the door, or pretty much right in nature. So you'll be able to go on hikes and, you know, explore movement outdoors. Oh man, dude, that's freaking awesome. You know, it's funny because when uh, the studio that I was at before with, with Chris and our team, we expanded out and the second space we had when we first got in there, I thought the same thing. I'm like, it just feels strong in here. Like I want to lift something. And then we had a member, we had a member come in when we opened up classes, said the exact same thing. And I was like, I know I feel the same. And and seeing the videos and the work that you put out, I'm just looking at this place, the strength. And I was like, this just looks strong in here. Like I would just want to, if I was in that area, I'm like, this is where I want to go hang out and lift some stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's the hope, you know, just to be able to continue to spread strength throughout the community and get people to really buy into how it's a pivotal part of our health. So yeah, hopefully we'll just keep growing. I love it, man. So, well, listeners, um, I'm with Denzel Allen here uh, today. I talked with Denzel a while, a little while ago, like I said, almost like a year ago on the Breakthrough Secrets podcast, where I, at that one, I said I was like a proper fan of yours. Like, and it's still funny, like I was thinking about it this morning working out is, you know, I follow a lot of fitness and strength people on Instagram and social media. So naturally I'm seeing people working out all day if I'm scrolling through, but you are the one guy, every time I see your video, I'm thinking, do my movements look like that? Because that's my role model right there. (laughs) And it is because you got long levers, you got kind of long arms and legs, but the range of motion and the strength that you portray is always, that's something stuck in my head. And, you know, last time we talked a lot about that, about kind of your journey and strength from going from football and then kind of realizing you need to get into that world. 
Yeah. And it was awesome. And it's got some huge takeaways, the attention to details, kind of the never miss a rep. It was huge. So listeners, if you haven't listened to that one, please go back and do that. It's called the joy of training. It was a blast that we had. And um, Denzel, we'll kind of kick this off. If you could kind of just kind of reintroduce yourself of kind of what you do now, kind of how you got into this world of strength and kind yeah. of kick it off from there. Cool. So um, I'm originally from Connecticut, uh, born and raised and Growing up there, I was always into sports and, you know, running around, playing any any game there was, you know, super, super competitive at that point in time. I was probably very also like kind of way more type A then than I think I am now, a little bit more pessimistic then than I am now. Um, so sports was like my gateway into uh, training. So, you know, I ran track at a very high level in high school and then also played football and for both of those speed was my um was like my poison right that was like the way I, I killed on the field gotcha. <laughs> yeah. okay <laughs> and um so I always had the notion of like what do I need to go in the weight room for like I'm I'm fast I'm already running around people and this and that and then I went to this one football camp at Bryant uh, University in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And we're doing all these football drills and I'm, I'm killing it. It's just like, <laughs> but still feeling myself way too much. And then okay. <laughs> it got to the point where we had to do uh, the strength testing, uh, which was pretty much just like bench press. So it was 185 on the bar. Try to do it as many times as you could. And I'm like, I don't bench, <laughs> but I'm like, I can't, you know, I can't. you try and raise your hand on that. One. What, what do you, what do, you do if you don't bench? <laughs> so you can't punk out in that situation. So I was just like, ah, all right. So I have my, you know, my, my teammate come spot me. Cause I'm like, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need your help. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. And uh, so I get under the bar, you know, go to lift it. And obviously it just comes crashing down on my chest I, I can't lift a thing and you know I at that point I wasn't getting any looks anything from colleges and I was like dang maybe I need to start paying more attention to strength training gotcha. that. um just just from like an embarrassment standpoint not necessarily from a like thought I truly needed it mm-hmm. um but then once I started to actually lift um the difference it made and just like how I carried myself, my speed actually increased. <laughs> okay. You know, like go figure. Um, so then from that point, it was like all bought in on, on mm-hmm. working out, like was going all the time, driving myself to the gym or working out uh, at the high school. And then once I graduated, I still didn't get any uh, offers um but I still wanted to play college football so I had reached out to um the same high school teammate that was spotting me on the bench he was absolute beast (laughs) I mean in high school he's like power cleaning 315 like the kid was a monster so I was like all right actually who was your trainer again he's like he tells me this guy Greg Drab had an advantage personal training in Connecticut and I went to his facility and stepped in and, you know, that was the first time I saw people of all ages doing 
like everything, you know what I mean? Like, like doing cables, doing barbells, doing kettlebell stuff. And it was just like, well, this is pretty cool watching older people do pull-ups. So once I saw all that and then the trainer himself was like this Jack dude that could move well, Greg, he's diesel. So, (laughs) you know, there I am as an 18 year old, like, oh, wow. In that summer, I put on like 15 pounds. It was like, this is nuts. (laughs) This is the joys of being 18, right? Yeah, (laughs) do whatever you want and just lifting all. Just goes right to muscle, yeah. (laughs) So then ended up walking on uh, at University of Rhode Island, um, and was on there for about a year before I transferred to UConn. Um, and that was, you know, the whole time there, that was all thanks to the training I had done. Um, and like being able to be in that setting, like an athletic, uh, facility for D1 school, um, was, this, you know, awesome experience that just got me even more hooked into working out. So once I transferred okay. to UConn, I decided I didn't want to play football anymore. Mm-hmm. And just from the commitment standpoint, yeah commitment i wanted to experience college as a regular student because i had like a little taste of it when i uh once i knew i was getting into university of connecticut when i was at uh, uri Mm -hmm. and um and once i got there you know go through the first two years and i'm just kind of going through the motions of being a regular student but i was continuously lifting throughout Mm -hmm. and then it got to the point where i was like what am i doing (laughs) like I've been in college for how long I've switched majors how many times like my grade point average wasn't what I knew it could have been if I was dedicating anything and I was like I need to I I need to make a change so I'd reach back out to the same uh trainer Greg and was like hey I'd like I can't afford to do this but like can we figure out you know some way that we can make this work. So pretty much ended up creating like an internship uh, where, you know, I would help around at the gym, help set up for the football specific training and stuff like that, and then be able to train for free. And that got me alongside other like collegiate athletes, a few uh, like NFL guys um, who all, you know, were just instilling just confidence and mean, you know, words of encouragement. Mm -hmm. And I was like, being able to again be in that environment and training people and then going back to the facility and seeing people of all ages it started to get me thinking about you know coaching a little bit okay um and then I ended up walking on again uh at the University of Connecticut and that was an interesting experience um and at the end of that experience I was like a little banged up and was sort of turned off from maybe being in that environment. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But then I try, I went to a bunch of job interviews once I graduated college for like being a counselor, um, like some management roles at like random business firms and like none of that's for me. (laughs) I gotcha. So once again, I reached out to Greg like, hey man, can I just shadow for mm-hmm. like you and your, your other trainers that you have at your facility. And he was super open to it. So I just kept showing up every day. Just was there Monday through Friday, 
for multiple hours a day. Okay. Taking notes. Mm-hmm. All right, this person has this injury. This is how they're kind of working around that. This is what their goals are. This is how they're working towards that and so on. And just like taking notes on every single person that mm-hmm. I was uh, watching. And then two coaches ended up moving and there was a open slot and he was like, you just need to be certified and I'll hire you. So luckily I had been studying all along. My, uh, one of my really good friends had told me to just, he had, he had the personal training book and he was like, here, man, you should just mm-hmm. do this. <laughs> That's great. So like, luckily, you know, in college, I had taken a bunch of like kinesiology courses yep. plus the internship. Um, and then I was a psychology major. So that already had me like understanding a little bit more of human behavior, I think, than what some trainers have when they're first getting into uh, the business. Um, so, yeah, so then that was, you know, probably the best thing that's happened to me as far as like career goes because my boss and the mentors I had were always advocates of like continuing your education like this is a ever-changing industry so right you can't just become complacent like okay you learned this thing and now you know it all like you can't get to that point right um because you'll just be doing a disservice to your students uh so that's pretty much been like my my driving force is just like one I love love learning love teaching so that's put me on the path of going to different certifications and kind of at times becoming like super (laughs) super certs yeah Yeah, exactly just like super laser focused on like this one thing and then like Mm -hmm. okay what are all the little things and then be like okay like I think I have that down somewhat but I'll you know I still always watch other coaches and see what they're cueing and how they're having people do stuff, but constantly just trying to find new tools, figure out what parts I think are useful, what parts I don't, and then moving on to the next thing. And then just always trying to incorporate everything together, which brings me to the present day. That's cool. (laughs) No, it's so, it's so cool that uh, the guys were so receptive when you were younger of like letting you shadow and be around. It's kind of like that, that environment is, is different. Like I, like I thought of this, it sounds like it was kind of similar to you. Like I was, I moved back to New York and was working out all the time in Boston. Then I moved to Florida. Then when I came back, I was kind of working in a restaurant. If you ever worked in a restaurant, it's a negative environment behind that line. Like everybody's just talking shit all the time. (laughs) And every time I was, and every time I was at the gym, like I was with my, my coach, my trainer, and like, everybody was like trying to improve themselves. And that was like the first time I was like, everybody here is trying to like better themselves. Like that's a really cool environment. And then I was like going to work at the restaurant and everybody's screaming about their tables. And, and I was like, there was the first time it was kind of like, wow, environment is actually really important of where you work at. It definitely is. And it, you know, I mean, any environment that you're putting yourself into on the regulars, like it's going to have an impact on you, you know? So definitely try to pick and choose <laughs> what yeah. you're stepping into. Yeah. When you were working with your trainer early, like looking back on the program, like what was the program? Like, was it very like just strength heavy? Were you doing a lot of like athletic conditioning back then mm-hmm. that like caused you to put 15 pounds on? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was thorough. It was, um, I mean, there was the athletic training that we would do for, I think it was like 40 minutes beforehand so you'd have all your you know your power 
training some of your conditioning just through like the practice of repetitions of like the certain movements and stuff for that and then you'd go back to the facility and you'd have your um your normal strength training and that was that was always pretty good you know you'd have your upper body heavy your lower body heavy days um and they just kind of alternate and then uh you'd always finish with some sort of different conditioning so if it's an upper body like day then you would do upper body conditioning and Mm -hmm. same thing with the lower lower day or vice versa but yeah it was pretty thorough you know it was included a bunch of different tools so Mm -hmm. that was always nice and each person executed everything just you know slightly different there wasn't like a permanent box we were all put in like you have to do it this way it's like no for the you know six five 300 pound linemen like no this is how yeah. this thing. Right, right. You little guys like, yeah. <laughs> like me. How like, far how like, far along in the journey when you started really getting more into kettlebell work? Because I know that's predominantly one of the main tools that you use, you know, from your work. I know you were with Strong First for a while and then you were deviate yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like when did that start entering the mix? Yeah, so that wasn't until after college. Um, really, like, you know, I do goblet squats. Um and like sometimes like maybe shoulder presses or something with kettlebells before I think 2013 and then 2000 yeah 2013 was when we had this uh strong first um woman I forget where she was from but she was like maybe five foot tall uh no couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds was swinging the 32 kilo like it was a toy and I was like feeling like I was at peak performance (laughs) and could not swing that thing and was like what the heck (laughs) is going on so I mean from that point on I was just like already bought in because I'm like somebody can learn somebody you know so small they're not just you know raw strength throwing stuff around brute strengthening it so I was bought in right from that day of just having that experience of one seeing someone who isn't like what the stereotypical picture of like a big strong person is do something that you know showed such strength and then also having it was like about a foot thrown onto my broad jump they tested our broad jump before they taught us how to swing and then they tested our broad jump after and it was like a whole foot (laughs) I went from like nine something to like 10 six or something it was was a pretty big holy shit big difference and the the turf that we're on in this old facility you know had like the yard marks and everything marked out so it was very very and it was around the room that people were having like significant you know jumps (laughs) just from learning like true hip extension like how to use your <laughs> hips more. yeah like when you're jumping, how to not just try to rely on just your like legs it, it, it's kind of weird to think about jumping that way now because I'm like how was I doing it but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's made it made an immediate huge impact on that which I'm like you know athlete was definitely one of like my stronger identities then um so it was a thing that you could showcase how this movement impacts your athleticism and it took less than an hour 
<laughs> that, yeah. And that great. Well, it is. It's like, and you know, something we don't talk about, I think as much as coaches is just walking the walk of just having that power in you, you know, it's like, and you know, this woman comes in, you know, five foot, nothing, hundred pounds, you know, swinging a bell that's over 75%, pretty much her body weight yeah. of going. And it's like, that's something that's pretty different right there. And then combine that with, oh shit, I just gained 10 inches to a foot on my broad jump in one workout. You know, I think it's just always an interesting thing to show that like you might just be one or a couple or a couple exercises away from seeing a huge difference, especially yeah. in athleticism. And, you know, athletes, a lot of times, I think we think that athletes are so in tune with their bodies, but at young times, sometimes you don't, you don't That's like, so. you don't know that stuff, but like you just measurable, like, Oh yeah, see you, you landed here. Now you landed here. Yeah. So keep doing that. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, yeah, I'd say, I mean, as a, as an athlete is when I was moving that way all the time, I had zero awareness on my body, you know, like I didn't know how I felt. If you asked me how I feel one day to the next, it was just like, I don't feel good. <laughs> you know, I had no language around feelings even then, like no, no language around what my body felt like the day prior to like, it was just kind of always a constant uncomfortable feeling yeah. <laughs> that I didn't realize I was walking around with right. until like probably a year after college once I got into mm -hmm. original strength more and then also uh strong first and it just changed how I moved completely you know not being able to squat below parallel to being able to hang out there all day now like it's it was Wow. You know, and doing like dead bugs and stuff like that. Like my legs couldn't be completely uh, like adjacent to the floor straight up and down. Um, and now, you know, that's like a very comfortable position that's I can be in with zero strain. So random things like that were forever. I was bound and tight and <laughs> that's so crazy i mean just because looking at your movements that you do now i would have never ever guessed that you had mobility issues or stability issues before to not get oh. that range of motion oh yeah both <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's oh that's crazy that's it reminds me of, do you know alex sulkin at all oh yeah 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 Yeah, alex was like the same way i remember like when we did easy strength did he was saying like oh yeah i've been training for a year and i was super stiff it's like looking at the range of motion of movements i'm like what the heck are you talking about Man, so, it, i mean that original strength course yep was it was at achieve fitness in boston this was also probably like 2013 and you know it was a bunch of people from all around like North America and there were people there that were strength coaches there were people there that were just like you know, doctors or like garden worker like just had no relation to fitness at all and they were like well we heard you know about what original strength can do and they read I forget which book it was I think it's just called original strength but um a lot of them were there because they had chronic knee uh, hip or low back pain and watching a lot of these people who were like you know doctors said I'll never be able to squat below parallel do one set of rocking <laughs> and the next set be able to squat below parallel and you're like what the heck yeah and it was just happening across the board I, I think for me the one that unlocked me the most was doing some of the like segmental rolling patterns and that was like, oh, 
suddenly I was squatting much easier and then also getting and owning the bottom position and I wasn't even working on the squat. I'm like, this is the strangest. <laughs> wow. It, <laughs> it is. It's, it's such a weird thing. I've talked with uh, Jeff Newpert about it. Um, I've talked with uh, Mike McNiff, Huggy, a bit about it. And actually, I was think I was talking with Dan John a little bit about it last week um, when he was on the show. And it, it's some of the stuff just like with the rocking of original strength. Yeah. Like I've heard so many different testimonials on just getting in that primitive pattern and you know tim anderson really did something insane with that program of working with and i because i i haven't dove into it as much i think it's something that i might need to get into more in my practice but i've I've heard that so many different times denzel from different people i mean it's it's you know i i use different pieces of it with every single person i think every single person that comes in does rocking you know Mm because it's easily modifiable movement that I haven't seen it not improve somebody's whether it's they're just like ability to do something with less effort or increase their range of motion or give them more like body awareness as to where they are in space um so I'm like I'm I'm all in with using that and sometimes between sets of things like if I'm doing something that's super high tension then that's like a good uh opposite or opposing like pattern to it right so if they just did a heavy set of front squats it's like okay let's bring you down to the floor you'll work on your breath because the whole thing is about you know breathing using your diaphragm having your tongue roof of your mouth on your teeth so on um so it's just like a good recovery tool that's also keeping you like elastic in between right so yeah all that's it It's interesting that the awareness, you said the body awareness is something that we don't talk about as much as coaches. It's like, and when you find body awareness, you know exactly what your body's doing in different movement, all of a sudden lifting just completely changes. You know, one of the things that helped me a lot was I got into um, Sifu Harinder Singh's mind boxing program, which is kind of like a Tai Chi practice mixed with kind of Qi Gung, which is the, you know, the, you know, you know, tongue at the roof of the mouth, you know, kind of closing in that energy and kind of breathing through the energy. It was super fascinating, just kind of feeling your spatial awareness of like front of your, the, the energy in the front, then the energy in the back of you, then to the sides. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you go and you lift, you're like, wow, you feel every piece of that work. Cause I had a pin in my left tip. So a lot of times I would just naturally shift so much in kind of mm-hmm. bilateral patterns. And I found it was kind of the same thing of that awareness of it. And I think that's yeah. something that you know, especially as coaches working with anybody in a, a rehab setting or a movement setting. I think that's one of those words that should constantly be popping up in our heads to use. Absolutely. Cause it's, I mean, I know some people don't want to get some sets of clients so stuck in like the feedback loop. Right. But having some sort of feedback system is definitely important to just one, make sure like, yeah, the thing looks good right? The movement looks how it's supposed to, mm-hmm. but you should still check in and be like, Hey, where are you feeling this? <laughs> you know, where are you feeling yes. this movement? Because oftentimes, even with it looking perfect, they can still not, you know, one, not just be being mindful about where would I be feeling this? You know, it's mm-hmm. just kind of like a lapse of, of uh, mindfulness and just going through the motion. So one, it'll get people to be a little bit more mindful but two, it'll ensure like, okay, what 
is your body doing? You know, like, are you feeling tension somewhere? We don't want you to be feeling tension. Is that something we can yes. fix with uh, your breathing? Is that something that we can fix with your stance? So on, but it's like, you definitely need to have the feedback loop. That way you can start to build a sense of awareness within clients. And then also with that, it's like, you can toggle that off and on. So if somebody's super like oversensitive in a certain area and it might be one of those things where they just prodded it too much and so on and so forth, it's like, okay, well, let's give you a different thing to focus on and see if, you know, just that disconnection of constantly trying to be aware of it will help ease the pain and allow you to move freer and better. So um, that's a, that's a huge point. I, th I think there was a story. I, I think it was Brett Contreras told the story. I'm paraphrasing. Absolutely. So Brett, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry, but I think he's, you know, talked about somebody came in saying they have glute amnesia and he said, well, where's your glute? And they pointed to their hamstring, you know? So it's uh -huh. like, it's like, you know, you can yeah. never assume that we even know what's going on. So it's like, where do you, you know, instead of, do you feel that in your butt or your head? It's yeah. like, no, it's like, where do you feel that? As you said, exactly. it's like, and then that's going to give that feedback. I completely agree. It's like, it's, if it looks good, yes, but we can make a lot of good things. That was one of the things I always talked about with the FMS system. And, and I love the FMS. I think it's a great tool, but like I found personally for me, I did it so long that I can cheat an FMS test very yeah. easily just because I know what it's supposed to look like. And I can <laughs> really concentrate of making it look right. Yeah. So without having that, like something like a, a functional capacity test or like if even a feedback loop like that, I might not be getting what I need to really yeah. change it based on just a movement that looks good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, I mean, that's even, you know, with the FMS, like you're saying, like it's all bring people through it. And as we've gone through one thing, once they've completed it and, you know, you're not going to affect their movement, then that's where the questions start to come in of like, okay, where do you feel it? Did this feel even from side to side? You know, like I just watched it. I watched that your <laughs> left hip deviated or whatever. Um, but I want to know, I want to start to learn like how aware are you of what your body's doing to compensate as well. Right. So it's exactly, I, yeah, try to take that and, you know, put a little bit of a spin on it to gather more information um, that I think would be helpful, but Gotcha. Okay. I'd like to, I want to talk to you more about your coaching process. I mean, you just opened up this new studio in here, but you've had the strength then for a while. Now, when did you first open the strength then? Yeah. So I opened the strength then in 2018, like April, okay. 2018. Nice. So, um, in this new location, just um, like three weeks or four weeks into being in this new spot. Mm -hmm. uh, but luckily I had, you know, a lot of the systems and stuff in place just from having been in business for a little bit uh but yeah so the coaching i mean coaching process is each person before they can come in and just start training like i don't let anyone just show up and and train as as we need to go through questionnaire so you know i sit down it's been zoom for a while just so that we can see each other's faces since we still have the mask mandate here um but sit down you know go over goals injury history workout history uh nutrition if that's a thing that um they want to start with at first but usually it's like i want to start with 
one thing at a time. Like I don't, I don't want to do such a complex world of nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. So that's usually I'll try to stick to the strength stuff and then, you know, give that a few, a few good months before we try to tinker with other stuff. But usually you find once people start being a little bit more mindful of how they're moving their bodies, they start to be more mindful with, with everything else, right. With uh, what they're putting into their bodies with, you know, what they're doing at work, how they're holding themselves and their posture and, you know, so on and so forth. But you go through the questionnaire and everything. And then um, we do the movement screen, like I was saying, FMS uh, with just a little bit of the tweaks to it and then gather a few baselines. And the biggest thing I think is helpful, probably of all of that is asking for if they know their learning style, like, are you kinesthetic? You know, are you auditory? Are you visual? Like, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily know them by those terms, but, you know, then you do a little bit of the scenario, like, okay, if you're in this scenario, what would be the way that would be best for you to learn this information? And they're like, oh yeah, usually I need to see it written on the board and then do it after, or, oh, I just need to see somebody do it, or uh, I don't need to see you do it, I just need to hear uh, cues and so on. Um, cause that, that way is like, you're not doing this guessing game of like, how does this person learn? Or you're, you know, you're, you're talking too much for a person that can't stand talking and that just like muddies up their ability to do something. So, um, we'll do that and then, you know, create a program for them and then they come in and coach them through the movements and, and it's a good time. <laughs> that's so interesting that you asked. I love that you asked that because that's such a huge question to ask of how do you learn? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's because a, a lot of people learn in different ways. I, I don't know if you've uh, followed much of Nick Winkleman's stuff with queuing, no. but he, he did some stuff. Uh, when I talked to him last, he talked about squatting and kind of the different ways to cue. And, and one of them, the example he used was, like a snake's going to bite you in the ass. And he says, beat the bite. Yeah. And that just stuck in my head so much. And I forget what that meant. It's like, but it's like an analogy you learn from analogies. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, like, so every time you squat down to get out, like you got to beat the snake, you know, so yeah. beat the bite. I'm like, that's hysterical. And it, it is, it's like the, the way that we view communication in coaching is more vital than what movement we're actually giving them because yeah. and, Cause I always think that's such a fascinating thing. Like none of us want to feel like stupid or we don't know what we're doing, regardless yeah. of if it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting and stuff like you want to feel that confidence of going in. So asking that, like, how do you learn? Yeah. Do you get people at all? Like kind of giving you like the, like quizzical look, like I have no idea. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. All, all the time. It's expected, you know, it's like, uh, it, it's, the unfortunate part of us going through school, I feel like the way that it currently is set up is they expect everybody to learn the same way. So people don't really stop to think or ask themselves that question, like what, you know, and this is something I learned from psychology, but also again, in uh, precision nutrition's level two course of just like a, uh, what are this person's like superpowers, you know, when do they feel most successful? You know, when do they feel like they're the most capable and confident and, and finding those things out makes it so you can try to create that environment for them within your coaching se session so that, you know, they always feel 
strong. <laughs> like that is the goal. Like I want you to feel strong, confident, and then you're going to take that from here, go into the rest of the world and you'll be that way. Right. And when we're walking around that way, we feel strong and confident. We're treating everybody else with, you know, so much more respect um, and dignity and being able to see one another for who each other is a little bit better without judgment. So, yeah. yeah so I feel like that all starts with what a great question, right? What is your superpower? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it is, it's interesting. Questionnaires with, you know, gyms is always a fascinating thing because a lot of them, like it's, you know, there's medical history, there's injury history, and obviously they're, it's all important, yeah. but a lot of it is, um, I remember I was reading one before and everything was just about like, why aren't you at this goal yet? You know? Yeah. So it's like, I'm reading this like, and you kind of go, it's like, it could be so negative. Like, yeah. this is like, it's not like, no, what are the things that make you feel good? Like, yeah. how do you learn? Like actually getting part of the process. It's like, oh shit. And yeah. as you brought that up, I was talking about that with my sister before, who's a teacher about different kids learning because she's in special education okay. and like how, you know, she gets, she has the chance to work with, you know, more individually with kids so she can really dive into that. Yeah. But it is like a lot of times teachers, they just get up in front of 25 kids and just expect everybody to learn the exact same way. And if you get an A, this kid's smart. If you get a D, this kid's dumb or yeah. he has ADHD or something like that. No, maybe he learns differently. Yeah, exactly. Me, exactly. That's, that's always been the thing of like, you just got to treat people as they are, right? Like, I know we have the notion of treat people as you would want to be treated, but it's like, that's kind of doing a disservice. You should get to know people and then be able to ask them, how would you, <laughs> how would you like our interactions to be, you know, yeah. like not, I'm gonna go around and making assumptions of like, oh yeah, yeah, no, you learn just like me. So I'm gonna teach you like you're me. Oh, you want to be like me. So I'm gonna teach you like you're me. like, no, no, figure out this person's goals, what makes them tick, what, what they enjoy. <laughs> and then try to, you know, manipulate your own language so that it's, it's constantly focused on, on whatever it is that they're trying to do. So I think you just reinvented the golden rule right there. <laughs> it's no, it's powerful. I and mean, that is powerful, right? It's, it is. It's like, don't just treat people the way you want to be treated because they might respond differently on that. Yeah. Like, I think we kind of understand what that means, but like, I, I heard this thing from Kane Ramsey and NLP about like con converting somebody to something. You can't show unconditional love to someone if you're trying to convert them to yeah. something. So it's like the same type of thing. It's like, if you, are trying to just speak to somebody the way that you think is well, because that works well for you. You're not actually showing that person love. You're not actually showing care, you know, for yeah, them. Exactly. and these things take time, right? It's like, it's, I've you know, been there like a consultation with somebody and, you know, talking about their goals and their physical health. That's a deep thing, you know, with people. So, you know, not taking it lightly is one, yeah. like it should be a, it's, it's not just about going in and asking somebody for money. Like, it's like, yeah. okay, like, let's actually like figure out what it is that you really want to aspire to get to. Exactly. Exactly. The why behind it. And yeah. And then, you know, obviously the obstacles are part of it because you, you want to set them up like, okay, this is how you feel successful. Mm -hmm. This is what normally, you know, deters you from being able to achieve those things. Yeah. So how can we try to, remove those obstacles or get you to be able to navigate around them when they, they show up. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's all, all learning. And yeah. Um, how do you, how do you learn? What's, what's the best way that you usually learn? I'm very visual. Are you? <laughs> yeah. I'm very visual. Show me, but because I'm a questioner, 
<laughs> I also want to know, like, okay. the, like what, what, what am I supposed to be doing with this? <laughs> like, you can show me it, like, cool, cool, but now you need to have some sort of buy-in on my part of telling me why. <laughs> okay. You know, like, why? Okay, cool. The kettlebell swing, great. Okay, I can see you do it. I can go do it, but if the why isn't there, it's like I'm not really gonna buy into it right oh, i was gonna say do you think that's like a mind. do you think that's like solidifying like the ownership of like the yeah. movement of doing yeah. it yeah yeah knowing what the goal is what's the goal of this movement right like what's the goal of blank it's okay it's to do this and that or it's to add to whatever like okay cool makes sense all right okay. but yeah but i'm definitely a visual learner like i think for most of the class like that's the beauty of being able to pick and choose how you like what are the continuing ed stuff you go to now, right? You're not mm-hmm. forced to just flip open a book. So for precision nutrition, I mean, they have so many, I'm taking a level two right now. Um, it's like a year long thing. And they have so many videos that like you can watch that I'm like, oh, this is, this is perfect. Uh, and then reading, I mean, that's still to me visual, um, just taking in, you know, any information through my eyes. So uh that course is set up i mean pretty perfect but that's like the whole okay. objective of it is how to create behavior change and how to help uh-huh. people learn and <laughs> so they, it, it's they, yeah it's a deep course i yeah. know from there so okay do you write when you write do you is it visual too do you kind of like see what you're writing first before you write it down um that's good. Because I said before we jumped on the podcast, like I've seen your poems. I love your poetry, yeah. man. It's freaking is it's it really speaks volumes. So that process, that's probably more kinesthetic because it's like most of the time that I write those poems, I'm out in nature, like walking around. And then it's just like you get to a certain part of a path. And it's almost like it's a gift from the path that's given to me. Like, oh, bam, here's his thought. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Let me write this down. And, and then, like, there's definitely certain trails around here that I tend to be more creative on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, there's d- different, different parts of California, too, like, tend to make me think about different things, it seems, when I, when I write. But I have a journal that I bring with me um on a lot of my hikes it's part of my like stuff that's in my backpack and I'll usually take time to sit meditate and then journal and then oftentimes when I'm journaling poems will come or sometimes when I'm walking I'll stop and either jot in the journal or in my phone and but those just feel like they come to me more than I'm doing anything. (laughs) That's interesting. How long have you been doing that? How long have you been journaling and and writing poetry? Well, the poetry is interesting because as a kid, I was like obsessed with poetry. I mean, you know, Langston Hughes, uh, Dr. Seuss, like those two. Okay, (laughs) there you go. opposites. But just like rhyme schemes and then, you know, Tupac was always known as like, you know, a poetic rapper. And Mm -hmm. um, so like rap in general, I always viewed as just poetry, just in a way that's like vast and kind of incredible. Uh, But I didn't write much poetry 
if any, through high school and college. And then like I would jot maybe one a year, like at random up until uh, we took our road trip in, to, in 2020. Uh, my fiance and I took a road trip across country to go uh, visit my mom and then drive back. And somehow, or actually it might've been right before that we had, we had started to just randomly write poetry. And I was like, huh, I was like, I'm actually, uh, seem to be all right at this. Like they can just kind of come. And then on the road trip, we were doing like pretty much one a day for a while. And then after I was like, I think I really like this because I had been writing, uh, you know, blog posts for years. And then right before like COVID hit, I was just writing like my life experiences. Wasn't sure if I was going to do anything with it, like maybe turn it into a book or something, but it was really just like trying to write how my mind and like decisions have changed over time and like how, how I used to think and like how I think now and just trying to get that on paper mm-hmm. and I switched from that writing to poetry and like now I'm just obsessed but yeah it's like 2020 is pretty much when I went into yeah. writing them all the time so I, I don't know how many it's hundreds for sure of of poems that just yeah I think it's fascinating it's it's weird it's interesting because I personally I started doing you know poetry more of like a personal practice you know on Mm -hmm. it and the way that I I write poetry is different than how I like write in my newsletter or in other you know work and I've written for years I love I love writing it's such a it's a very therapeutic um you know thing personally but in poetry it's almost like it's vision, it's visual for me where everything else is kind of kinesthetic. Like I can yeah. write in uh, journals and it's really all about feeling where in poetry, I like actually can see a picture in front of me oh, of what, wow. and then it comes. So it is, it's like, I was always fascinated by that of like different processes yeah. of that because I was like, you know, in your head, you're like, why did this change? Like it's, it's like, it's still pen to paper, you know, type difference. But that's why I was curious about that. Yeah, I think it's just a different, I mean, now we're like, when I write anything, I feel like the poetry's in there more. Like it's, it's helped me see words different and like breakdowns of paragraphs and sentences and stuff. But it's definitely a completely different thing when I'm like in the zone of where I normally am creating the poems compared to like, if I'm like you're saying, like just doing newsletter writing or blog posts or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe because like, I don't know, maybe newsletters or like blogs, like there's a there's a mission there. There's like a specific topic that I kind yeah. of diving into yeah. to work with where poetry, it's almost like all of a sudden, like just pictures kind of pop. Oh, oh OK, this is now coming yeah. together. So yeah. hmm, maybe it's that. Yeah, I know it is. It's fast. Writing is a very interesting topic you know, to me on this because everybody has different. Pro- Do you have a, like a process? You said like usually you bring your journal with you on like hikes and stuff and then meditate like do you do that do you have a process where you do like on a regular like every day or is it kind of more when it strikes you so I mean I did right before I moved into this new facility I wasn't working mornings for most of 2020 so and I moved to the beach which was super nice so I would just wake up every day stroll out to the beach 
nobody would be on this beach. I'm like, this is great. It's my beach. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> throw a towel down, plop down on the sand, uh, meditate, and then journal. Uh, but that time of day, I never, I don't think I've written a single poem like at 6 a.m., like early in the morning. It just doesn't, nothing comes at that time. It's more so just like intention setting for the day. Um, if there's anything that was like on my mind still from the day before, it's like, let me just handle this in the present so that I'm not constantly like <laughs> yeah. thinking about, yeah. oh, well, this happened yesterday and I got to do this today. It's like, no, let me just, you know, try to be as much in this present moment as I can mm -hmm. as I'm sitting on the beach and this place with a mountain backdrop and just trying to take it in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, that's what a lot of people think journaling is, right? It's like, you know, start, like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do today. And dear yeah. diaries, it's like, no, it's like just whatever kind of feels from there, just throw some shit out. And like, it's gonna exactly. it's absolutely random. That's, that's <laughs> just, I've, I've spoken with a few people about this. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, when, like there's so many people that like when they die, they don't want people to ever read their journal. And I'm like, no read mine <laughs> please do i'm like one is just like absolute chaos but two it's i don't know i think it's extremely interesting <laughs> it is yeah do like you ever, i go um, back and look and i'm just like what the heck was i even talking about like, yeah <laughs> no it is do you ever hear of um the book the artist's way by julia cameron no it's uh, like a it's like a writing course book that's really interesting but like one of the practices she has um is like morning pages where you write three full pages longhand just kind of like stream of consciousness like yeah. whatever comes out and i'm like cracking up i'm like because every different thought just pops up in your head yeah. but i'm like you never take the pen off the paper so i'm like i couldn't even read this or have somebody else read this if they wanted to because it's like Keep you don't worry about, it's like yeah. don't worry about spelling don't worry about punctuation yeah. and grammar. but it's just like free and then all of a sudden these thoughts do come out you know to you so yeah you know, people, I, and I've, you know, seen it, especially being a business owner and like getting in, like you have the creative space and then you have like the get shit done space yeah. where it's like, you need to do stuff. And it's like managing those two on yeah. a day by day basis is just as challenging as anything. Cause you know, if you're, sometimes you don't need to do that, but if that's yeah. the route that you want to go of kind of have both, you need to know how to channel in both of these energies. So yeah. I think anybody who's in that space, I think writing is such a good tool that you can use and it's going to help in strength in your business practice and just just mindfulness just I, in general that's the biggest thing it's just like to me that's true self-care is like taking a moment to be with yourself figure out your thoughts how you're doing <laughs> you know like you got to check in with yourself on the regular so that's still definitely the meditating i just can't do it at the, the beach right now i do it at the gym which part of why I have the meditation room but going nice. there and like are people do people take advantage of that yeah they're starting to it's only that part's still like kind of in the workings but it's like the meditation slash cool down room so I have the inversion table in there um the Norma text and then like a nice oh, like laying salt lamb the, the same zebra mats that I have plus like yoga mats and the meditation pillows and stuff so people a few oh, people man. are going in after their sessions and just chilling so. oh dude your next location <laughs> come over to New York and open this up I need this space this is awesome dude oh, yeah oh that's great
So how's your training going right now? I know you got so much going on right now. Are you still getting in your own training following a oh, specific yeah. planner? Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of been the beauty of the last few years. It's just, it's shaken up so much stuff that it's kind of gotten me into the habit of figuring out what my like non-negotiables are, right? Like what are the things I always need for myself so that I can show up, right? Like show up to the, to the best. And if I don't have the time or don't make the time, I should say to um, work on my own health and strength, then like, I'm not really going to want to <laughs> talk to nobody else. You know, I'm going to feel like they're taken away from, from, from my own time with myself, which feels un- unfair to me in my own head. So mm-hmm. I, my training has been really good uh, awesome. as of late. Um, I mean, as of a while. So uh, yeah, super nice, you know, doing my, my normal barbell lifts, kettlebell stuff sprinkled in plus body weight and a couple of other like random fun tools uh some like k3 combat uh collie i like the padded collie sticks oh there you go okay yeah that's like the cognitive training plus like you know left right side trying to make your left hand if your right hand dominant a little bit more useful uh plus i do that martial art every every friday with a group of uh, coaches and uh, my, my teacher Paul Costanza um, who's just like renaissance man like this guy is a calligraphy artist uh, voiceover actor <laughs> that's <laughs> like uh, I'd be great with kettlebells mm-hmm. it's like you, you you name it this guy is just unbelievable so he, he teaches us the ropes every week and is like here's what to practice here's what to do and drilling that and that's been a huge uh like blessing to have stumbled across right before COVID hit yeah. um but yeah so training's been really nice that's, yeah those collie sticks look like a, like just such an interesting kind of flow yeah of practice of just getting in of just it's it's almost like a dance it looks yeah. like yeah I mean that's you know like most martial arts that's like the beauty of it is it it allows you to be able to kind of tap into that flow state and be able to be more in control of how you can get there right like it it can be a struggle for times when you're not used to having singular focus but that's the thing that kind of helps with being able to be as present as possible especially when you're using the hard sticks <laughs> oh yeah okay. it's like you lapse you know you start thinking about something else and the other person's then going to catch your finger and it yeah. hurts <laughs> <laughs> that was like when uh when we were doing a little bit of the kpp the kettlebell partner passing stuff yeah. and it's like if your mind wanders for a second it's like yeah. You're just, it's not like the people think it's the kettlebell falling on your toe. No, it's the handle jamming your finger, like playing basketball. I'm like, Oh, I did that once. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. Oh oh, man. So, so dude, it's been a blast connecting with you again, man. So I'm so pumped for the new venture for you. I hope it's just massive success over there. And uh, yeah, man, just keep doing you. It's awesome. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for again, for having me on. Always awesome chatting with you. So yeah, no doubt. So um, Instagram, Power of Strength, Denzel Allen. And then uh, what's your website again that we can put up? Uh, well, you can put up strengthenmv.com, which is just my, my business page, but perfect, that works. Awesome. So 
Great, man. Good. It's great to see you again. Appreciate it. We'll uh, definitely have to do this again soon at some point. So yeah, sounds good, man. Awesome. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for connecting. If you want to follow Denzel, check out more of his stuff. Go check out his awesome gym that just looks like you just want to get strong in there. No doubt. Might have to make one over here myself and uh, I'll catch you on the next one. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you came away with great stories and insights that you can use to create more strength and success in your life. Remember now, for a time, you can grab a free copy of the One Day Strength Challenge, the playbook that incorporates proven strength aerobics training along with the skill of intuition to help you create, design, and achieve your perfect training plan that fits around your busy schedule. Just go to www.thebreakthroughsecrets.com and grab your free copy today. It's your life. Make it the strongest possible. Catch you guys later.